you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 this morning. We find ourselves down a few verses in. We've been studying the book of Luke for the last month or so, and we have come to the place here where we are, I'm kind of, I've entitled the message, The Declaration of the Messiah to Come. The Declaration of the Messiah to Come. And hopefully you'll, uh, you'll see this. This is uh, about verse 39, and we're going to go down through about verse 56 today. It's an ambitious uh, passage for me, uh, but you all pray for me, and I'll, I'll do my best to get through it. So please stand, if you would, if you made your way there, and reverence and honor the Word of God as we begin right here in verse 39 of chapter 1. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zechariah and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped within her, within her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit doth, hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden, for behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and, his, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath hoped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own house. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day and thank you for your many blessings. And Lord, this morning, we thank you for the declaration of Mary and the declaration of Miss Elizabeth. We ask you, Lord, to bless the reading of your word this morning. May we hear it and know that we must also declare the Messiah. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives, how you're being a part of us, and how we are able to be your servants to go out into the world and preach the gospel and to teach the nations of you and your ways. We love you, Lord, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Again, I've entitled the message, The Declaration of the Messiah to Come, and I've chosen that word very carefully. This is a declaration, much more so than a proclamation. A proclamation would entitle, it was out in the public square and out in the, in the public purview for their consumption. This was a primarily a private matter, but it was a declarative statement. Luke found out, I'm sure, by interviewing uh, probably Mary herself, or maybe even possibly Miss Elizabeth, don't know, or those very close to them. And they found out all this information. But nonetheless, we have it here for us. And it's a good thing we do because it gives us a description on how we share the gospel. 
Now, for, for all of our time in Luke, we're going to be discussing how Luke tells his gospel. And that gives us purview into how we should tell the gospel that we have received. So I want to do that today. I'll give you a couple of things. A, a declaration is a formal statement. A proclamation is a public statement. Now, but they're very similar. But the declaration must be made for the coming Messiah by these two in particular because they're the first ones to hear of it. Oh, you've got Zacharias. We're going to get to his prophecy next time. But you've also got here Miss Elizabeth who's carrying John, the forerunner of Christ, and she's going to make a declaration about the coming of our Lord. Follow that up with the mother of Jesus, of course, in her declaration. Those who know of the Messiah must declare him. If we fail to do so, we have failed our master. For we are his servants, his slaves. We are the ones who are called by his mighty purposes to go out into the world and proclaim and to declare Jesus. That's important. We're going to look at that today. How is the declaration for the Messiah made? That's what we're going to look at, how it's made. It's important that we know. Since man's time in the garden, there has been a knowledge of God that God would send a Redeemer to purchase back what had been lost to sin and to sell. William Temple wrote one time, he said, To worship is to quicken the conscience by the holiness of God, to feed the mind with the truth of God, to purge the imagination with the beauty of God, to open the heart to the love of God, to devote the will to the purpose of God. That's where we find ourselves. When we worship, and that's what we're going to see in this, in this passage, is a time of worship between these two cousins. Elizabeth is going to make a declaration to Mary, and Mary's going to make a declaration back to Miss Elizabeth. And it's going to be an interesting way to look at this if, you, if you'll just pause long enough to hear what the Word of God says. So I'm going to begin there. We, we have a, a, an issue for us when we worship, we, we think that it's some kind of, um, I guess, a, a, for lack of a better word, we're, we're just running into a, a rote kind of machinery sometimes when we worship. We forget that worship is, is really from the heart. It's a, it's, a, it's a heart issue. Those who know Jesus can worship. Those who don't know Jesus play at worship. And there is a difference. Those who've been born again, those who've been saved, can worship God, and those who haven't can't. Now, it's not, a, it's not a slam against them. It's just a matter of fact. But those with the heart of God that has been placed in them can worship and should worship. And we're going to see what that looks like here in just a moment. Napoleon Bonaparte said, If Socrates were to enter the room, we should rise and do honor unto him. But if Jesus Christ came into the room, we should fall on our knees and worship him. And what's the difference between the two? One is God in the flesh. The other was just some teacher. And we need to make sure that our declaration is proper. So let's, let's dig into this. First, Miss Elizabeth's declaration Verse 39, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into, the city, into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. Now, all this is pretty benign. It's just to give you background. It's just to let you know, as soon as the angel made her proclamation, guess where 
guess where Miss Mary went? She went to go visit her cousin, Miss Elizabeth, who has been barren, who, who doesn't, doesn't have prospects of children. And then she's told, Mary's told by the angel, that you're going to go and meet your cousin Elizabeth. And you're going to know that the child she's carrying is going to be the forerunner of your child, the Messiah. So she salutes Miss Elizabeth in her home. She comes in the door, and, and I don't know how it went. Hey, Miss Elizabeth, or I don't know if it went, hey, cousin. I don't know how that went. But she salutes her, and something very important happens. Take a look at the next verse. Verse 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, there's two parts to this. When the salutation was made, the babe leapt, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's important here, because now we're talking about the first to declare Jesus, and what does she do first? Well, the babe leaps. And the Holy Spirit comes, comes and, and does a work in her. Now, I want you to hear some things that go on in this, in this thing. By the way, Augustine said that uh, a Christian should be one, of, one hallelujah from head to toe. I kind of think that's how Mary was, or Elizabeth was when she heard Mary come in the house. Mary declares something to, to Miss Elizabeth, hail Elizabeth, whatever it is. And the babe was in her womb that womb that was barren, that God had, had divinely given over to Miss Elizabeth, now leapt. Now, why did the babe leap? This is going to be important. Let's start there. Why did the babe and Miss Elizabeth leap? Oh, the, the explanation is coming forthwith. It's, it says, And she spake out with a loud voice, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. John the Baptist, not even born yet, already has a precept or at least some kind of cognition of who Jesus Christ is, and the initial response is leaping for joy. We could learn a lesson just from that. The question is, will we? But here, Miss Elizabeth is explaining what's happened. And, and why, does, why do you think the writer here, why do you think Luke goes to all the trouble? Well, mostly it's because you need to know that John the Baptist is going to be an important character that's coming, and, and his, he needs to know he can recognize Jesus. And you don't know how it's done? It's by the Holy Ghost. Because Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost at that moment, the second that it happened. Now, that's supernatural. That's not of us. That's something that comes through a sanctification, if you will. The sanctification through the declaration, even. To make the declaration of the Messiah, you must be filled with that Holy Spirit. It doesn't do us any good. We, we can sit and talk about uh, 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 Jesus intellectually, and that's all well and good. There's plenty of people on the planet Earth that, that can go back and read history and say, oh, yeah, Jesus was this and Jesus was that. But do you understand what it means to declare him Lord? And what that means? 
to declare Jesus Lord, and that's what, Mary, that's what uh, Elizabeth just did. Read it again. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come unto me? See, there's a recognition here of the Lord Jesus Christ and His Lordship is coming to bear. Now, we don't like to think of, of our relationship with Jesus as a Lord and slave relationship, but it is. I do the things my Master has called me to do. We, as believers, do those things that the Lord has told us and called us to do. Or otherwise, we wouldn't be good slaves or good servants of His. Don't get hung up on it. Think of it like this. You have the best master you could possibly have. Praise the Lord for His Lordship. I would rather serve no other. I've been bound to people in my life uh, off and on throughout my entire career coming up and, and people like that. I've, been, I've bound, my, bound myself to this uh, taskmaster and this taskmaster and whoever. Sometimes I was even bound to myself and that was scary because I know me. But I'm bound to the Lord Jesus Christ now. Elizabeth was too. And in her declaration, there is a sanctification that happened to her. She was filled with the Holy Ghost. After John's birth, Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit too. Right? We remember that. That was, that was uh, and he prophesied in, chapter, in, in this same chapter in verse 67. It starts his prophecy. We'll talk about that next week. Simeon in Luke, over in Luke chapter 2, he, he did the same thing. Here's, listen to this. Um, Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 27. Here's what it says. <clears throat> and he came by the Spirit into the temple. This is Simeon. And, went, uh, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do after him after the custom of the law, then he took him up in his arms, blessed God, and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. There's a declaration right there and a prophecy, but we'll get to that next time or in a little while when we get to that passage. But here's what you need to know from that. In the declaration, there is a sanctification that comes. You can only declare what's happened to you. We're going to talk about that in a little bit, about how you declare what that looks like. Secondly, we need to talk about the substance, the substance of the declaration. What does it look like? Well, in verses 42, we talked about this. Go back. And she spake with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And then she goes on. We'll, we'll get to one verse at a time here because if we get too far ahead, we'll lose our place here. First things first, she spake with a loud voice. She couldn't help but speak and speak out. And in this case, with a loud voice. Now, I don't know. I, I remember when my wife used to tell me about the kids kicking in the womb. And she'd say, here, put your hand here and feel him kick. And uh, I remember those days, but, but I can't imagine a baby in the womb leaping. Now, she may have been just so startled by it all and the feeling of the Holy Ghost at the same time. She had no choice but to shout. But I like to think that she shouted out because it was the natural reaction of someone who's been sanctified by God. 
There is a something that's happened to her that's different and special. When uh, when one of my children came to the Lord, they said to, they said to my wife when they were having that conversation with her uh, that it was one of those things where they just felt like they could could just do it nearly nearly do a backflip over it, and uh, of course it was encouraged to do a backflip. That's what way you need to express it. There's some who when they come to Christ, it's a very solemn event. For me, it was very solemn because I understood my sin and I understood where I was in in God's economy. And as I I took that moment in, it was a very sobering event for me. And and I was glad to be released. Don't misunderstand. I was so happy to to have the, the freedom in my soul again. But I also know the cost. And I know that every one of my sins put Jesus on that cross and He paid the debt for me. And it was very solemn for me. Now the release from sins and that bondage of sins should be a glad moment. And for Elizabeth, there was a moment where the babe leapt and she shouted out. What did she say? Let's just read. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. What did she know? How did she know? Well, that's the divine part of this. That's the Holy Spirit's work. Blessed are you among women. And blessed is the fruit of thy womb. She knew something. And and, and the moment you know, you know. It's not complicated. It's just sometimes difficult for other people who who don't know to know. They, they, They can't know. It's not possible. And that moment when when. She shouts. I'm sure, I'm sure it may, may have even startled uh, Mary when she came in the door. Because the second that Mary says something to Elizabeth, Elizabeth turns and shouts, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. Then it says, then it says in uh, verse 43, And whence is this come to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? She understands. Why? Why are you come to me, the mother of my Lord? The recognition of that truth. He is the Messiah. It's the substance of the declaration. Jesus is the promised one, is the Messiah to come. John chapter 4 and verse 25 tells us, The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And listen to this. This is Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Now, wait a minute. What just happened? Yeah, there was a woman here in John chapter 4 who, who knew the Messiah was coming and knew that he would be able to tell all things, knew a lot about the Messiah who is the Christ, the blessed one. And Jesus politely just tells her. I'll read it again. I that speak unto thee am he. There's a declaration made there, right? Secondly, the Savior of the world. He's the Messiah. He's also the Savior of the world. John chapter 4 and verse 42. I'm actually going to read 41 and 42, and it says this. And many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because thy saying, 
of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. The declaration was made. She's figured it out. Not because of thy saying, right? But because we've heard him, because we know he is the Savior of the world. And also in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 13, it says, Hereby know we that we dwell in him and he in us, because he hath given us of his spirit, and we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be what? The Savior of the world. Jesus is the Savior. And that's the substance of the declaration. He has come to be the Savior. He's come to be the Messiah. He's also the recipient of all of heaven's praise. Check out this verses, these passages in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 6. And again, when he bringeth the, in the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. And the angels, and of the angels, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? But unto the Son he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. All of heaven. All of heaven. Fourthly, he's also the, the, the one who is holy, innocent, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. That's in Hebrews chapter 7, just a few chapters over. It says this, But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Speaking of Jesus. Wherefore, he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto him, come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such a high priest became us, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens. He's also the one whom God highly exalted and bestowed on him the name which is above every name. I'll give you a passage of Scripture for that. That's Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, Wherefore God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. We need to know the substance of our declaration. You see, our declaration is that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the only hope for humanity. He is the Savior of the world. And He's exalted above all. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes we like to, we like to downplay Jesus a little bit. Well, you know, we call Him a friend that sits closer than a brother. He is that. He, we call Him, well, maybe uh, you know, He was a great teacher among men. He is that. But he is Lord of all. Whether they recognize him or Lord, as Lord or not at this point, he is Lord of all. That's the substance of the declaration. And that's where Miss Elizabeth finds herself in her, in her declaring of Jesus. Finally, I want you to see the security of Miss Elizabeth's declaration. Look in the last verse, verse 45. It says... And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. It's going to happen. She believed? Yes. 
She was told that things were going to happen. Yes, her and Mary both were. And God is able to perform it. You know, it's funny. I, I can't imagine how it all went with Zechariah. Remember back in the last chapter, the last part of the chapter? Zechariah came home from the, from the temple and he was mute. Couldn't talk. But I imagine he's scribbling stuff out to Miss Elizabeth on, a, on something. And, and he shows it to her and, and, and I don't know how she took it. I don't know if we don't, we don't really have privy there, but we know she's pregnant. We know she's on the way to have John the Baptist. She believes. Because what was told to her has come to pass. She is pregnant. She's, uh, she's not barren anymore. She that was called barren is barren no more. Praise God for His security. What He has promised, He will deliver. Let me give you some scripture for that. First Hebrews uh, chapter 7, verse 24. But this man, speaking of Jesus, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Right? And she's sure of the Lord's ability to perform it. Now, she hadn't heard the scripture that's been written for that yet in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, by the Apostle Paul to young Timothy. He says, For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. She was with Paul in spirit in that one, because she knows in whom she has believed. How, does, how do I know she knows? She calls him Lord. She has security. Paul says, I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. We have a most secure faith because God is in it and God has promised it. Now, point number two today. That was point one. Point number two is Mary's declaration of the Messiah. Now, we need to see it from Mary's perspective, too, because two people are, well, there's actually four people right there in the room, right? I mean, we got, we got Mary and Jesus, and we got Elizabeth and, and John. But right now, we see the declaration of Mary, because she's the one here, and she's going to speak. Here's what it says, verse 46. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Now I'm going to pause there because there's some language we need to understand here. There's that word again, Lord. Now the word handmaiden, it's a little further down at the end of that that I just read, that in verse 48. That word handmaiden is a Greek word that is doulos, it's, it's a, but it's the feminine form of it. So that's why you get handmaiden. It's a, it's a slave, a girl slave in this case or a young lady slave, the handmaiden of the Lord. Now, she has recognized who Jesus Christ is. In that one simple statement she's made, her, her uh, declaration of the Messiah starts with an attitude of worship. An attitude of worship. Look at her. Here's what she says, And my soul doth magnify the Lord. It's not about her. She's figured it out. She's figured out it's not about her. That's why we struggle against these, the, the folks who would go out there and do Mary worship. Because Mary didn't worship herself here. She worshiped the Lord. 
It was about her being a slave to the Lord. It was about Jesus Christ being Lord of her life. And so she says, I will magnify the Lord. Magnify it. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God who? My Savior. She's got it figured out. Oh, that we would come and understand that Jesus is Lord and Savior. We've got too much easy believism that wants a Savior but never acknowledges Lordship. He is both Savior and Lord. And too many times we struggle and we say, well, I'll take the Savior, but I won't acknowledge Him as Lord because that would mean I'm accountable to Him. You are. He is your Master. If He has sought you and bought you with His own blood, you are His. Mary gets it. The attitude of worship is there. It's expressed inwardly. She's like, my soul... Right? She says it. My soul doth magnify the Lord. <laughs> it's internal. She's internalized it. She's figured it out. It's, it's on me to magnify the Lord. I have to. It, it's like those, those, you know, you find one of those crazy preachers who, who just says nothing but, but Jesus and Jesus only, right? He's, he's one of those guys who just talks about the Lord all the time. And he sits around and he talks about the Lord every chance he gets. Why? Because it's, he's internalized it and he understands it. Jesus is to be magnified within. That's what she gets. My soul doth magnify the Lord. It wasn't an outward show. It wasn't she was up at the temple going, praise the Lord. She was within her own self. She sat there and she understands and she, she internalized the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Secondly, it's also expressed with intensity. Magnification. It's a magnifying of the Lord. For my, my spirit hath rejoiced. There's an intensity that Mary has. I don't know what it was like with Jesus walking on the earth. I don't know what it was like when he was playing outside. I don't know if Jesus played. I have no idea. But he lived his life. And, and there's Mary looking at, at her Lord out in the yard. I don't know how that works. Maybe he was playing on the rooftop. Maybe he was holding his earthly father's tools in his hands. I don't know. But she's magnifying the Lord here. And he hasn't even been born yet. Worship is expressed inwardly with intensity. Also habitually, it's a way of life. It's not something you put on on Sunday. If, if Jesus means no more to you than I just have to show up on Sunday because the preacher is going to get annoyed at me if I don't show up. That's not on me. I, I, I pray for your soul. And I worry about you. And, and I do all the things that I know as your pastor I'm supposed to do. But it's not on me. Your relationship with the Lord is your relationship. I can facilitate I can help you along the way, guide you and show you things. I can't get saved for you. I can't do anything other than proclaim Jesus and Him crucified. <coughs> Worship is expressed habitually in your life. If you don't have habits that reflect your relationship with Jesus, you need to check something. 
You need to go back and read 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Right? And read it and understand what it says when it says examine yourself whether you be in the faith. You need to read it. And you need to internalize it here. Worship is also expressed in humility. Check her out for just a moment. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. She understands her place. She understands where she is spiritually. It's expressed in her humility. Now we've seen her attitude of worship. Now we need to see her, her, the object of her worship. Take a look at the next verse, or the rest of that verse. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. She understands it. The object of her worship, Jesus. It's not hard. She says it. Verse uh, 46 says, My soul doth magnify the Lord. My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Right? She understands that the object of her worship is Jesus. God my Savior. The Lord. It's all there for us. Third thing is the reason for her worship. Now that's the rest of the passage. Look in uh, the rest of, uh, we'll start with 48b. It says, For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name, and his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud and imagination of their hearts. He had put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He had filled the hungry with good things and the rich he had sent empty away. He had hoped. Now that's a strange word. We'll get back to that. But he is hoping his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He has spake to our fathers, to Abraham, to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months and returned to her own home. Now, she goes there, she makes this declaration, and then she goes home after three months. Mary's a good cousin that'll stay and help. But the reason for her worship, or reason for her declaration in her worship, is simple. She knows to whom she belongs, and she knows what he is going to do. He's going to perform these things. He is mighty that had done to me great things and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. It's all written there for us that we might see it. God is doing these things. Jesus Christ showed up because of God's mercy on us. His mercy. We didn't deserve it. That's called grace. He's given us grace. But mercy is the fact that he has come forward to give us Jesus Christ. Read a little further. He has showed strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. It all comes here. Jesus is, it has been sent by God to perform these things. I think of, of different leaders throughout all of history who have been brought low because of Jesus both those who would believe him and those who would be conquered by him one way or another. He hath filled the hungry with good things and the rich hath he sent empty away. You read that and you, you need to understand why he's talking that way because the rich have, a, have an understanding in their lives that they are providing for their own selves. But all their work is vanity. 
You ought to read the Song of Solomon sometime about vanity and, and all that goes on in this life. Then he says this, He hath hope in his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. That is one of the strangest words in Scripture, is, is that one found there in verse 54. It's a help, is all it is. But it's an old English word uh, that, that really does describe ha- uh, the kind of depth of help. If you read it with that word help, he had helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He, he's gone not, not just to bat for Israel, so to speak. He's also delved into their problems and he pulls them back out. It's, that's the idea behind it. The idea is a diving deep to help. It's not a superficial help. It's not an on-the-surface help, right? So those are the reasons for her worship. And he spake to our fathers Abraham and his seed forever. That's promises. She knows the promises of God. She's been taught them her whole life. Now I want to give you point number three. It's not found here in this text. Point number three is this. Our declaration of the Messiah. Now, the Messiah's already come. We're looking at this hindsight. And we're told later in Scripture, and I want to give you the text. Of course, you know it. It's Matthew 28. Matthew 28, verse 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And they saw him, and they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. I read that so that you understand that our declaration is simple. We have been bought with a price. We've been told by our master to go into all the world and declare him, to preach him, to teach his ways. That's us. Paul said it this way. These things write I unto thee. This is 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 14. Hoping to come unto thee shortly. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest knowest how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God. By the way, church is a people, not a place. Right? The house of the living God, church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. And without, great, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. See, it's the proclamation of the gospel. We have to. There's nobody else. There's no plan B, so to speak. We are required by our Lord, to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're required. So what are you doing about it? You see, Mary, when when she was, or excuse me, Elizabeth, when she was greeted by Mary, had to, had to proclaim it. And as soon as, as Elizabeth finished speaking, guess what, Mary? Mary popped up and said what she said. She had to declare it. We have to declare Jesus. There was a barber one time who felt like he, he had to talk about Jesus to his clientele. And so that morning he had been praying and he, he opened up his shop and the first one that came in got him sat down in the, sh- in the chair for his shave and got him all lathered up and he started, he started sharpening his razor up and down the leather strap. And, he's, and he, he's nervous and he doesn't quite know what to say so he, he leans over his customer and he says, Are you ready to die? 
His timing may have been off just a little bit. And maybe the right words didn't quite come to when he needed them, right? That, that customer jumped up and bolted out of, the, out, of the, out of the chair and out the door, never to come back. When do we declare, declare the Messiah? When do we do it? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Right? Be ready always. We don't get a break. You don't get to not talk about Jesus. In fact, I don't even understand that you wouldn't want to. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and your Savior, you'd want to. I'd want to tell people, this is what my Lord has done for me. My job didn't do it for me. My parents didn't do it for me. Jesus did it for me. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That was Paul the Apostle writing to the church at Colossae. He says, that's why we do it. We do it because it's right there. The hope of glory, Christ in you. When do we teach it? When do we declare Jesus the Messiah? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 9. You all know this passage. I've preached on it many times. 2 Corinthians 5, 9 says, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You want to know why we, we, we must? Because we know. We know that before Jesus came in, before he became Lord of my life and Savior of my soul, I was lost and undone and needed saving. The terror of the Lord when, I, when, I, when it was presented unto me. And because I know the terror of the Lord, I try to persuade men. I go after them. I want them. I, I desire to, to see them to know the same saving grace that I found in Jesus Christ. Now, where do, we, where do we do this? That's, that's question number two. Everywhere. I could say that with unequivocal, you know. But let me just help you out here. First, Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. You want to know where you declare Jesus the Messiah? When they therefore come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Now, this is every question that we've always wanted to ask. When, Lord? When? Because we, we're ready to go. Ready to, ready to restore the kingdom. Ready for it to happen now. That's all of us, too. We all want it to happen. We were talking about it on the way back from, uh, from uh, going to see Esther and Branson. We were talking about, when's the Lord coming? It could be at any moment. But until the Lord comes back, because I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know when he's coming. In fact, no man knoweth the day or the hour. But let's read verse 7. And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put in his own power. Now he could have stopped there. He could have said, that's all you really need to know. Because it is. It's all we need to know. That's in God's power, not ours. You're not to know that. But he said, but ye shall receive power 
After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost parts of the earth. Now, I want to, I'm going to finish a, a, a few more verses here. We've got to go down through 11. But, but I need you to see this. It's everywhere. Where do, we, where do we talk about the Messiah? Where do we declare the Messiah? Everywhere we go. In fact, we're to be purposeful and go. So just to do that. Verse 9, I want to read this. and says, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a cloud, uh, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven... Uh, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? I want to pause there before we go to the rest of that verse. They just stood there. Sometimes we're caught and we just stand there. And we think that, well, okay, I, I, I know the Lord saved me. And, and I feel like I need to learn more, so I, I'm going to show up at church for Bible study. I'm going to show up for church for, for all these different things and, 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 and attend worship and do all those things. And we're just kind of standing there. And, and, and look, I want, I want to be the one to exalt Jesus all the time and worship Him and do that. But guys, after we get done worshiping, after we get done and we see the Lord Jesus, it's time to go. It's time to get out of here. It's time to go tell everyone. The last question, how? How do we declare Jesus? I'm going to give you some scripture. This is from Acts chapter 15. And it's a lengthy passage, but I, I need to read it to you. At least parts of it will stop in between. It says, And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, you know how, good, how that a good while ago God... Uh, made choice among us that the Gentiles by mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. Now, Paul's talking to the church of Jerusalem, and there's a, there's a discrepancy that was going on. Can the Gentiles be saved? Should, they, should we even present the gospel to them? Yes, Jesus did. We remember the, the woman at the well. We remember all these, all these different people that he talked to throughout his whole ministry. It wasn't just the Jews he came, came to, but it came to all for the purpose that they might know him as the Messiah. Our responsibility, church, as the church is to go and tell. How do we do it? Here we go. Verse 8. That the Gentiles by mouth should hear the word of, uh, of the gospel and believe. And God which knoweth the hearts and bear witness to them, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? But we, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. Here's all you need. You need to know that you are saved by the grace of God. And you need to go tell others. You want to know how to do it? Go tell them. Say, I'm worried about it. Well, read your Bible. Read your Bible and, and know who the Lord Jesus Christ is. That's all, you, that's all it takes. You know, sometimes you don't even have to tell them everything you know because... Uh, it's just too much, right? Sometimes. Sometimes it's just enough to, to tell them that the Lord God redeems you. 
I was lost in my sin, and Jesus found me and put me in. Jesus has to do it. All you are is a mouthpiece for him. Can you declare like Mary did? Can you declare like Miss Elizabeth did? Our responsibility is to declare. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. My hope and my prayer is that you'll see your need to declare. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the day. Thank you for your word. Bless it. Help us to have ears to hear and feet to go. Bless today, Lord. Give us a good day. and Thank you for the fellowship that we have here. Bless all those who heard your word today. May we just take the word in and go. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Would you stand?